I went to see Cats on Broadway, yeah. but I didn't really yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally get that. It's, so it's... I, but it's like I watched the first fifteen minutes of the movie just out of curiosity, and I couldn't. I, I couldn't. saw it in the theater. Listen. It becomes the most trippy. Like watching no, that on mushrooms would be what I wanted. No. Like by the end, you feel like you. <laughs> by the end, you feel like you've been on a drug trip. Like no. it is. I'm sure. Insane. Yeah. Listen, like what is real? Yeah. Cats <laughs> is a musical that should only ever, ever be performed by children. Period. Welcome to that episode was. We are popsicle. In this episode, we will be offering opinions and reactions to the same man, season one, episode seven, The Doll's House, in which we are formally introduced to Rose Walker. Dun, dun, dun. This series was developed by Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, and showrunner Alan Heinberg, based on a comic by Neil Gaiman and assorted wonderful artists. This episode was written by Heather Belson and directed by Andres Baez? Baez? On this, I'm confident in that part. Anyway, um, before I introduce my illustrious co-hosts, I do want to say... If you have not read the comic or been watching the show, maybe this is not the podcast for you. This is a spoilerific, in-depth look at the Sandman, the comic, the past, the future. So, you know, if you don't have your ability to handle Revelation firmly installed, get thee gone. Get thee gone. And now my co-hosts. <laughs> First, the scariest intro we've ever had. <laughs> First, um, I'm going to start at the top of my screen. I'm going to start with our producer, you know, the brain that keeps Popsicle going. He is the chiller that chills our Popsicle. <laughs> that is Philip wow. Kelly. The chiller? This may be something I don't have a response to, Justin, uh, but hi. And I can live with that. Okay, <laughs> next next placement on my screen is it could be the cream filling in my orange creamsicle. Oh. It's Kelly Sue Milano. <laughs> How you doing, Kelly Sue? Uh, fantastic. Now, <laughs> I would love to be an orange creamsicle. Amazing. Next, I have the person without which there would be no popsicle. None, none whatsoever, unless you got like an otter pop, but no one likes otter pops. She is the stick, the backbone of Popsicle. She's also next on my screen. It's Claire Thorne. She's the stick. That's the That's Last and certainly by no means least. Oh boy, right. here we go. Oh, no. Lisa, she is. Ready? I am. She is the musical notes that lilt across the air as the ice cream man cometh. She is how we know that popsicles are afoot. It is the one, the only, Lisa K. Weber. Oh my God! What an honor. <laughs> if Lisa I was an ice cream truck, with anticipation. <laughs> Her ice cream truck song would, of course, be Rainbow in the Dark. <laughs> yeah. I would like to say that that was song. all improvised, too. I didn't write that one out ahead of time, first time. So I think maybe genius. Yeah. Genius. Oh, my God. I loved it. That was so good, Justin. <laughs> so with episode seven, we are now into the doll's house, the next yep. big story. Um, and I found from get-go, from the moment jump, Changes abound here in a way they did not during Preludes and Nocturnes. Uh, Rose Walker and her family are utterly transformed. Lida and Hector Hall are changed. We're already meeting serial killers. Brute and Glob are gone and have been replaced by Galt. I dare say that this is the most substantially changed episode thus far. How do these changes strike you? 
does anything go too far? Was anything changed unnecessarily in your opinion? Do you think something should have changed more? Ooh. And again, because he doesn't start things off often, we're going to start with Philip Kelly. Uh, I thought all the changes were like spot on. Like, you know, the, as we've talked about, the comic book series is so connected to the DC universe. Uh, some of those changes kind of acts those connections, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, absolutely, Hector, yeah, yeah, with Lyda and Hector Hall and all that because they're yeah, they were superheroes. Yeah, so exactly. So you talk know, about those, mushroom trip, right? So those changes were great. Um, I mean, Galt was an amazing change, especially with. I mean, I've watched the whole series now because you know we have till Friday or I guess or something. Um, but uh, you know, with where just with where all these end up and where they all go and how they all connect so early on so beautifully, I had not a problem with any of the changes. I thought they were well thought out. Uh, in as far as building this new kind of world we're entering it, because it's, again, it's a whole new like situation suddenly mid season to have to jump into, and and they do it without losing a beat. Like usually when you hit something like this, there's a bit of a dip. You know what I mean? I didn't feel that dip uh really uh i mean naturally i think storytelling there's kind of like a a climb and fall as you go but i didn't feel like i was starting at zero um and they did a really good job with how they introduced these characters in such a way that uh it was intriguing i think coming into the series you're gonna be like what's going on who are these collectors and you know there's this whole sort of like mystery they build on top of introducing the characters and it's it's really wonderfully done um uh there's the the great shot of uh uh lida talking to the the gentleman across the aisle and even i was like who's that strange man she's talking to at first i was like did she just make friends with somebody on the air oh like i it took her like even i was like wondering what the hell was going on for a second but it was beautiful and it made sense and and it, it does it so um succinctly and effortlessly bringing us kind of into these new situations uh the jumping of time was really nicely done uh to get us to each kind of de major development uh because i feel like the comic book certainly doesn't get to the house that quickly with the the, the family in the house that rose ends up with right with hal and uh, i and... think that happens in the second episode yeah the issue of the story yeah, yeah. but i mean the story is six issues long and the episode and this story is only four episodes sure. long. So they, they, to, they, they know, cut a lot yeah. out and they get to it and it was wonderful. Like, yeah. I don't know if they cut anything out. What, what are you thinking of with that? They cut out. And I mean, well, I mean, you mentioned uh, the, the two characters, uh, yeah, but they, are, they, they, they're, they're, they're they changing. Yes. Yeah. They swapped them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was nice. I'm oh, so tempted yeah. to call <laughs> Kelly Sue right now, but yeah, she's got she's, I'll do it. Away. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll totally do Cheerios, that. baby. Um, I I entered into it um, gently. I was like, okay, so I know the situation with Rose, the situation with Jed. I'm like, is this going to be horrible to watch? Like, what am I really in for? But I was like, I trust Neil. I trust this adaptation. <laughs> um, it was still painful um, the way that it was all depicted. And um, that was all, all of it was still there. The same feelings that I had reading the, reading the comics were all still there, which is, this is the way that we've come to know it goes with this show. Um, I loved the changes. I loved the um, cinematic Galt. Just mm. gorgeous. Um, I should say Galt does not appear in this episode. It only gets yeah, mentioned. But... Remember. That's true. All right. I mean, other than the stained glass window. Other yeah. than the stained glass window. Which was boss. Oh my I God, that entire scene. I can, I'm going to go off that on that was entire just scene. Insane. That was just incredible. That was insanely amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably not. A, I don't have anything interesting to offer because I loved all of it. <laughs> <laughs> not much of a critique on this end. Mm. Um, and I, lo I love, love, love the actress who plays Rose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I just, she's doing such an amazing job and bringing forth 
all of that sort of like um it's not naivete it's like this beautiful optimism youth. um yeah and it i is. just that's it's exactly it. that it's youth. yeah i appreciate her whole performance yeah she feels younger I hadn't thought of that, but she does feel younger than the depiction in the comics. Yeah. And I like that. I like, I like, yeah, her just, there's an energy there and there is, I think with all of this, there is this acceptance of, of, you know, the trippiness of all of this, right? Like we just have characters like Rose who, you know, we don't have to spend a whole episode with Rose getting her to the point where she believes what's going on, right? Yeah. It's, it's, this story is just, you know, a natural movement into and accepting the things that you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is crazy, but it also aligns with, with how I feel and, what I intuit about, you know, what each of these char characters have intuitions about as well. Um, yeah, that was just a new thought for me. So I don't know how well articulated that was. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, I want to follow up on what you just said, but that's going to be in the second half of this because I, gotta, I, I want to dig a little deeper into Rose. Um, but Lisa, any comments I about changes about the way it's evolved anything strike I really, you as I, really great I, or not so great or i i love most everything the only place i was like hmm was the relationship that they created between rose and lyda like i understand lyda being there but you my girl <laughs> you go I, keep going keep going keep going i understand why she's introduced at this point in the story because <laughs> it's like we we have to spend time with lyda um but the relate her relationship to rose felt super shoehorned to me like she's this i mean she kind of comes off she presents as this kind of like well-off architect right and she's adopted rose though that's like there's no I, there's no explanation for how they came together really but so she essentially adopted rose but then rose and it's like i don't know it just she just she's there without a whole lot of satisfying explanation to me do you think um, do you think lisa that 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 is unique that reaction because i agree um but do you think that reaction is unique to those of us who understand lida in the different context in the context of the comics or i, if we were I just tried very this... hard i tried very hard while watching certainly on the rewatch mm -hmm. um i try really really hard to rewatch these episodes without a comics perspective to just mm -hmm. take it for what it is and it still felt off yeah. to me um that's the thing the i was trying to work out in my head while we were watching this i kept going like okay if i were coming to this cold would i understand yeah. who lida is and why she's there yeah yeah and i episode. i couldn't i couldn't get there i lida. felt and i i'm like you in that i like i knew like okay i, I understand why they're doing this you know they, mm -hmm. you've got to get lida on stage uh, because she's not a superhero, the way she was presented in the in the show, maybe, I mean, in the comic, maybe doesn't work here. Although it could have worked, I don't know. I but, know, I agree. I, I, I could, I could see a path where keeping her a little bit closer to the comics could have absolutely could have worked. worked. Yeah, same here. Yeah. And more than that, I think the thing that really sort of bugged me, and. Because Rose is a different character here than she is in the comics. Mm -hmm. She's less snarky, but that's the thing that's about the performer. And it works. And I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. But I think that having her and Lyda together in this way, it sort of undermines Rose's incredible independence that we see in the um in the comic like she's super mm -hmm. independent in the comic and yeah. when gilbert comes to her rescue in the comic it's 
you think of it as because Rose is about to be overwhelmed. She's dealing with multiple dudes. Here, it seems a little bit more like she's someone who just needs help. Do you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like in general. And I think I think I don't love that. It's not terrible. You know what I mean? But I like oh, yeah. Rose's independence that I feel like is sort of weakened by this choice. Yeah, it's and I think that's that's kind of what it is because in the comics, Lyda has a relationship with Jed. Right. And I feel like that's and that makes more sense because Jed needs a connection with someone. I mean, he doesn't I mean, we it's all fantastical and Right. But the fact that her connection is to Jed leaves Rose to be fully independent. And so maybe that's kind of getting to the change that it's like her presence in Rose's life at this point almost takes away from Rose's character. You know what I mean? I mean, I know you know what I mean because you just said it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, all of I mean, like all of this is to say it's like, again, again, like you just said, it's not like. This is still all incredible that this yes, is happening. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> In general, I preferred just, the doll's house. To this is just the Rayleigh one Dematra piece here. of the changes that I was like, it didn't quite line up for me. Yeah, that's and it. it's it's okay to find flaws in the things we love. I think that's. Yeah. I don't think that's. Yeah. We're not bashing this show. I mean, at what all. are the odds no. we we're going to get out of this TV series without some aspect of a change from the comics being a little bit like, oh, yeah, that could have been different. A little wonky. It, it's yeah. just, yeah, that would have been ego for us to expect. <laughs> you know. But let's keep talking about Rose. Um, I would argue that this is the first time since the first episode that Dream is not the main character. Like in this episode, Rose feels like the main character to me. She is the one with agency. She is the one who's driving the narrative. Her wants, her desires, her plans. She are, are pushing the story forward, which I fucking love. That's how it is in the comic. That's how it is here. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, on board for that. Um, I thought that Rose Walker was a spectacular character in the comic. Mm-hmm. I still love her here, but I love her differently. 21st century Rose is not early 1990s Rose. You know, a lot of that snark and cynicism is, is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go, and maybe not so much me and Lisa have sort of, you know, rung this out a little, but how does Rose strike you now? Is there any part of you that wants to see more of her going forward than the comic necessarily gave us? You know, like as the TV, because I think as the t- the show expands and the roots that it lays are different than the roots the comic laid, stories will continue to grow more and more changed as we go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, is it crazy to think we might see Rose in Barbie's story going forward? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, mm-hmm. you know, but how do you feel about Rose? And let's go to Claire. Um, <clears throat> well, I just want to start by acknowledging that this role for the actress, uh, Vanessa Samunyai, Samanyai is her first role. I mean, good lord, girl. <laughs> wow. Dang. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's hard to not want more Rose Walker. She's one of my favorite things from the comic. I but I also think that's partly because of the impact of her story and where she, the ending. I don't want to be spoilery there either necessarily, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think part of that impact comes from, from that ending. And I don't know if I would want to change that exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would. I think I'm going to be good. Uh, I haven't watched all of it yet. I haven't watched the last episode and the bonus episode yet. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Wait, so you've watched yet. nine episodes or 10 episodes? I have watched nine episodes. I haven't watched the last story episode or, or the, the bonus. bonus. Got it. Bonus. Yes. Okay. Got it. So 
yeah, I mean, clearly they will likely be doing something different and that's a discussion that will happen. And, but I'm get to it. (laughs) Yeah. I usually don't want to see people go away. Like, you know, I'm, I get really, really super personally connected and then yeah. Did you not (laughs) notice that? I mean, that's crazy. (laughs) And then I get angry when they, you know, how many times have you read the expanse Claire? Um, four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I didn't need an answer. I was just, you know, yeah, a <laughs> question. Yeah, yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> I mean, I feel yeah. you. I, yeah. I, after I've watched the whole thing, and after that, I don't want Rose Walker to exit the narrative mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I really, I find myself really drawn to her character and to her mm-hmm. as an actress. I guess um, where I'm going with that is that if they do continue her in the narrative mm-hmm. moving forward, that I want it to feel really big. I want what and who she is to feel uh, jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Just like totally. really, really super epic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved... Um, getting to experience all of these characters with Rose through her responses and the um the beginnings of those relationships getting to see all of that happen when they go to the house and getting to see Hal and I screamed yeah uh, yeah I screamed. No, Hal, Hal screamed. is so good he screamed so, so good <laughs> um, <laughs> all of that felt like that aspect of this episode to me felt so magical like the best Mm -hmm. the best part of an adaptation yeah um and ken and barbie and oh my god and of course gilbert stop (laughs) (laughs) just nope well y'all know how much i love fiddler's green Mm -hmm. i don't know if y'all know how much i love stephen fry So I got a little, I got a little emotional. <laughs> I love Steve. Uh, I love. Oh, Steve so yeah, yeah that, that was Fry so great. Um, Inspired. But yeah, I mean, like, I'll just add to the Rose like conversation as far as and like to kind of build off what you were saying, Kelly. Sue, that it's like kind of like you know because we're seeing so much of this, the beginning of this story through her eyes. Um. It's, you know, her characterization is important. And I think it's, I think it's perfect for the show. I mean, yeah, I just like everybody else here, just totally fell in love with her, like instantly from that first. And I also love that it's like, they have that opening scene of the actual separation between her and Jed. So heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Such a great scene. Mm -hmm. It's such an incredible scene. And to like include that, just sets up her character as someone that you love so much and it sets up like her her motivations as being like so pure and true that how can you not love this girl and root for her um and yeah like and so to just kind of like walk with her as she's kind of like entering into this crazy world that we're accustomed to at this point being six episodes in um but is new to her is just mm-hmm. it was just it's just really definitely done i, I also love to that point the side-by-side stories of rose being like you know we're gonna find him mm-hmm. things are moving up mm-hmm. this is awesome Mm-hmm. juxtaposed with the fucking serial killers oh my god <laughs> <laughs> totally and the corinthian which by the way i could watch boyd holbrook as the corinthian forever and all time <laughs> so i'm just gonna say that mm-hmm. if we could just get 21 seasons of this <laughs> i'll be down <laughs> um but that is the other that's the other thing that makes it so interesting watching it as somebody who is familiar with the comics is it's like there's all of this nuance when you're watching the show that maybe is maybe it's there for people that are totally unfamiliar with the story 
but seeing all of her optimism and hope and yes, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and then to know like what's coming and then to, to like seeing the progression of what we know is about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so magical. Yeah. So I'm probably I- just still in a mode of awe watching these episodes still. Yeah. Same. Critical (laughs) of them. For Uh, those of you who've had more of a a direct connection with comic conventions and the planning (laughs) stage of comic conventions and relationships with people who run comic conventions, I'm just curious to know what your um, take was on this whole, like, you know, serial killers at their planning meeting in the diner. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, like, I have they... attended and I have exhibited and I have paneled at many a Comic-Con. I have never organized one. So I can't speak to the organizers in the diner and how similar an experience that is. <laughs> I can to... do it because they're sitting there and they're scrambling. Which is totally. exactly what goes on. <laughs> now, yeah, and I'm like, that. I was going to continue by saying I feel, <laughs> based on my experience attending and exhibiting at and paneling at these conventions, <laughs> that that is an accurate depiction of what organizing a convention looks like. It's It's interesting because those scenes did not trigger the comic book, the person who has attended and exhibited and paneled <laughs> at conventions that didn't trigger that in me. It triggered the guy who worked in fucking restaurants for 30 years <laughs> and did God knows how many events and had to pull so many things out of my ass at the last minute mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, because something had fallen through. Like that's some real shit. That happens yeah. all I, the I goddamn mean, the time. The links they go yeah. to to try to attract talent to headline oh their show, not unrealistic at all. So no way. I would just I love them that. all. I love them all. I love the guy who plays like the lead serial killer dude. Mm-hmm. The one who's like the taskmaster. Like, we really need to stay on point, you guys. <laughs> yeah. And get realistic about this. <laughs> I love it. Which, you know, is sort of what Lisa does when Claire and I start talking about Star Trek or something in the middle of an episode. You know, she she's the one well, who's listen, like, come on, guys, keep stay on track. Do it right now. It's probably no, well, no, it's probably like in my Virgo nature. I'm like, everything needs to be in its proper place at the proper time. I'll talk about Star Trek anytime that isn't when we're talking about the Sandman. <laughs> um i will say and i don't know how they i don't think they could have done anything different um but i was re in preparation for this i also reread the the first issue of the doll's house Hmm. and the way the corinthian is introduced in the doll's house is like remember that, that there's all those scenes that you see through his eyes and you see the people he's about to kill through his own eyes. And you're like, you see him take off his sunglasses. And it's really freaky and kind mm. of mysterious. And I wish we could have gotten that kind of intro to the character in the show. Something mm. that played with that. Um, I get the choices they made. I'm not even I'm not even suggesting that they made the wrong choice. Only that I would have liked to have seen that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I, I know what you mean exactly. Because I'm like, I want to see... Yeah, it's like like we talked in the last episode about the softness of this adaptation and it works. But there are times where I there are just these moments where I wish it went a little harder. And, and there there are moments, moments when it could, I think. Yeah. 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 You know, I no, mean I and serial killery moments are among them, I think. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Again, it's like the right place and the right time like we talked about back in episode 3. We don't need to see um, Rachel's father lining the wall of a room, but we do want to see it when uh, John D is escaping. We want to see the gore. Mm-hmm. It's like and, right place, uh, right time. <laughs> we also, we don't necessarily need to see anything that might smack of a hate crime, which is, you know, right. since his, his victims no. are all gay men, we don't really That's, need to see that. Well, he is a bad out. So I did appreciate, and I'm pretty sure it's this episode. 
when, um, if I'm wrong, maybe we can just edit this out, but I did appreciate the little bit of like, uh, that I got when the Corinthian goes and kills the caseworker. Oh, that's not this episode. That's not this episode, but yeah. The next one. Mother. <laughs> Philip, Philip, my friend, you have been yeah. strangely quiet for Can a long time. Can I raise time. my hand just for like an interjection <laughs> before we go to Philip? Because uh, all I wanted to say is that the one thing I think we're, I miss about the Corinthian is I don't think the series gave us like a, a, a the reveal that his eyes deserved like i never felt a, yeah. a huge Agreed. reveal yeah, I think moment maybe that's what it is that could be it that could be i think that's exactly what it is is yeah. like the the reveal wasn't given enough power no. it would no, not it have wasn't. sucked to have seen yeah. him eat an eyeball with those eye teeth yeah <sighs> yeah would not anyway have. that would Sorry. have been kick ass that would have been gnarly but yeah but philip you've been very quiet you've been quiet about rose walker you've been quiet about you know I mean, is there anything you want to add any i, I like discovering that uh the chronology I love discovering that the Corinthian fucks with his sunglasses on. Like, that's just something he does, which I thought was hilarious. I was like, all right. That would be a red He's flag. Like, like, the dude no. is like, this time we can do it with your sunglasses off. I'm like, yeah, yeah, do that. Do that. You're hot, but that was lame. <laughs> let's, let's see how it goes. I'm going to tell you what, that whole scene was hot as hell. That was, it, was, totally yeah, it, was, was. it was a great scene. It was a great scene. I wouldn't, scene. Like, was a hot I wouldn't scene. be complaining. I, no, I wouldn't either. Um, <laughs> as for uh uh rose walker <laughs> uh she was great uh like i don't i don't know like i i i uh that was awesome it's hard for me to like we'll, we'll get into like how these changes sort of affect later episodes and everything um but i i liked where she started at, i liked that she didn't start as maybe immediately independent as maybe in the comic book um I, I like that she felt a little more lost and uncertain and unsure because she had just lost her mother in this right now. And that's pretty, it's pretty fresh. It's not like she had lost her mother, you know, years ago or whatever. And she's had time to deal with it and kind of come to terms with it. It felt like it was pretty recent and she's in the midst of dealing with the loss of her mother. So when, when Lida says, you know, we had adopted her, it feels like it's a pretty recent, even that's pretty recent um, mm -hmm. that it, it even they're kind of fresh and new friends. So for me, seeing Rose's character kind of dealing with these, this new environment, the shifting sort of thing kind of plays into the fact that she is a vortex, the sort of like the swirling ball of chaos right now. Um, and, and I did like that. And I like how they use it as it goes forward. And I won't talk about that. Um, uh, but I, I found it those, I, I did find those changes to be effective. Um with how they structure the narrative, you know, with all the restructuring that, that's going on. Um, her being less independent does go better with her being, feeling younger. I mean, she's fairly young. She is fairly young. In yeah, they make that point in the comic and in the show. Yeah, yes, yeah, that yeah. she's young. Yeah. yeah. She um, is young. But I mean, like, that doesn't necessarily breed a lack of. No, of, no, um, no. That's true. No um but i there is there is a, a certain sense of not feeling grounded with rose as we're coming into her story like she's been rattled and shaken again and again and again and again and again and while i can see like snarkiness sort of being a wall to that you know something that sort of blocks people off after having gone through all that i like the fact that they don't necessarily use that in this adaptation of her um she's much more open open a person uh you know vulnerable to a degree um i love that the her first exchange with hal on the doorway is is wonderful you know uh you know oh no we just met on the phone and we exchanged life stories already like you know things like that i, I really liked that sort of openness that she has just to the world around her in general um and and there's something about yeah there's something about that and and the whole vortex thing i like kind of about that as well um how that's sort of a mirror, a reflection. And just the whole the whole family in the house is was beautiful. Like they were all so beautiful. I was in love with them right away. And they uh, didn't make me deal with spiders. Yeah. 
It, Just the idea of spiders. <laughs> right. Hal performing on stage was a delight. I'm glad we got that full Amazing. song and dance. Like yeah. if they had cut that short, I would have been disappointed because that yeah. was such a delight. Um, it really you know, I, 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 yeah, I, I fell in love with everything about all those people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what you need to feel in this series. You need to feel connected. Um, that's something they talk about in this episode is that, you know, that connection with people is the thing that sort of works and makes it all worthwhile. And I think someone is, we've already talked about probably, but um, yeah. Well, speaking of making things worthwhile, we'd like to make money doing this. So we're going to go to a commercial break right now, but we'll be right back. If you're enjoying this conversation, you're in luck. Because in September, which is very, very soon, we'll bring you our very next That Episode Was, this time tackling Amazon's The Rings of Power. And we'll follow that, eventually, with our long-awaited deep dive into David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with our throwback podcast series, That Gum You Like. Of course, you should always keep your eyes open for more pop-ups. I have an idea for a pop-up right now. Uh, so for all of those updates and all things Popsicle, follow us at Popsicle Pod on all the social media and join our mailing list at our website, popsiclepod.com for all the latest news and announcements. That's Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. We're back. It's that time. It's time for your hot takes, folks. I only have two, so I have room for plenty from you guys. My first hot take: uh, Neil Gaiman is a freaking vocabulistic show-off. Um, <laughs> in this episode, we were we were we were treated to Vavasor and mm. Anulet. To which I only say, put your dick back in your pants, Neil. Okay? You can say that because you're friends. Yes, you know, we got to like that. We're, we have a relationship like that. Um, yeah. I wish you guys could see my wife staring at me like, who are you talking to about their dick? Um, my second hot take, um, what really tripped me out personally, uh, mm. is that the actress playing Rose Walker uh Vanessa Samanyai mm. is a dead ringer, a dark-skinned dead ringer for my youngest sibling. Wow. Like looking at Rose was like looking at Lauren. It's wow. really trippy, you know. Wow. And Lauren is significantly younger than me. Lauren, like Lauren is she's older than or there, I'm sorry, they're older than Rose. Um, but they're still very young to me, you know, mm. I'm 20 years older than, than Lauren. And so it really just, I was just like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> like, so I felt all this extra heart connection to Rose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, Lauren. <laughs> um, we even have the same tattoo. She's got hers on the back, mm. but um, anyway, those are my hot takes. Lauren and, you know, put your dick back in your pants. <laughs> Anyone else got any hot takes for me? Oh, yeah. Um, I said earlier I was going to go off on the scene with the stained glass windows. Let's oh, do yes. it. Oh, um, yes. That entire sequence was magnificent. Mm -hmm. Everything that's kind of like laying down, because we're laying down kind of the setup for the story we're about to like embark on, right? Mm. Yeah. And it being like illustrated in this insanely beautiful way with the morphing stained glass windows. And then like they turn around to talk about Rose Walker and her face is like shaping this galaxy overhead. And all the while, just like Tom Sturridge's face. <laughs> yeah. The most and special effect like, of them all. I was just like, oh my God, I am overcome by the absolute gobsmacking beauty of this entire scene. <laughs> so incredible. Um, 
Oh, right. This is the episode where we meet Merv. Yeah, oh, I was going to say, I, think you I took knew that it. From a couple oh, of us, shit. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, like, I'll only just say <laughs> this about Merv. The only thing I'm really going to say is um, I just found like the choice of animation style fascinating. Yeah. Like yeah. that it's like this kind of claymation style, like jerky effect. Yeah. Great. Amazing. Like what a and brilliant choice. A, they built a practical Merv to put in the scenes, like an actual pumpkin headed yes. man. I love, love, love that. <laughs> oh my God. It makes me so happy. And it's the voice is Mark Hamill. Yeah. 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 And then that was followed by Matthew flying to the waking world through the layered painting. Um, I love that. That was amazing. That was was such a cool. Yeah. Yeah, That was one of my, I I couldn't, I just couldn't like my eyes were like, like oozing rainbows. It was was amazing. That can be cured with a few drops. That's okay. I was literally like all the people in the black hole sun video. Like my eyes just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> I, I've been love. I love this, the stained glass window since they started it. Cause what, this is like the second or third episode where we get little, you know, bits of it. This was the most, obviously mm. it's amazing. And I just love, I love contemplating that it the point of its existence right like this we i think have to presume is is dreams something dream needs to do in order to think through things does that Hmm. make any sense yeah i like he's the one who's his planning board yeah exactly (laughs) like it's yeah board (laughs) yeah It, it's his Pinterest as it were. Um, but yeah, no, I just like the idea of it. And yeah, I mean, just the gorgeousness of it. And the one when uh, Merv shows up was truly one of the few like just drop dead uh, moments where my son was like, what the fuck? <laughs> In a great way. Like, he's like, oh my God. But he's like, what, what the fuck? And I'm like, there's no explaining. I'm just, just go with it. Just go with it. I love that. That's the part where he's like, what? (laughs) Not the, not the Corinthians eyeball mouths or, you know, like whatever it like, he's like, that part makes sense. It's the, the, Uh the, not the 24 hour episode. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) There's a pumpkin head man. (laughs) It is kind of a hard ride turn for the show thus far though. Sure. You know, it's like all of a sudden we're in Oz, you know, (laughs) it is a little bit of the whiz. But Mark Hamill, God, such a yeah, such a great voice actor. Yeah, so great. Yeah, for real. So good. Any more hot takes? Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm I'm down to one. I think I've got one hot take now, (laughs) and that's that the uh, the diner has a very Edward Hooper feel to it, which I appreciated. Um, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know where? Yeah, for people who don't know that is Hopper. Sorry, Hopper. Sorry, I meant Hopper. Yeah, sorry, I meant Hopper. Oh, I love that we're funny. We're yeah, no, no, no. Diner. I, yeah. It, it's... Listen, Justin's here to correct you on comic stuff. Yes. I'm here to correct you on art. I meant stuff. to say, I meant to say Hooper, but I, I typoed it into my phone and just like I Ron Burgundied myself, essentially. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It had that sort of feel to it, which I really liked. Um, very distinct. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I'll I'll add one final hot take because this is also at the tail end of this is where we get desire and despair. Mm. Oh God, yeah. Oh, so desire. like as everybody, despair. like my body is ready for dream, like anytime, but like my okay. body is ready for yeah. desire. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, which is fitting, but um, I was my really, body really glad might be to ready see for desire. them as they are here. <laughs> Yeah. I was very like, oh, mm-hmm. wow. We didn't even talk about Desire's entrance into the story last episode no. when you first see them in yeah. the temple. Uh, Mason yeah. Alexander Park, I believe, and I, I think I've said this before, in a show filled with amazing casting choices, mm-hmm. nobody embodies their character 
more fully than Mason Alexander Park embodies desire, even in the brief mm. time that they're on screen. Yeah. You know, like it's wow. so perfect. They yeah. are Just, wow. so delicious. And I oh know my God. everybody here is very a mixed bag on Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, they are wonderful on Bebop. They were phenomenal and just as like i cannot take my eyes off you yeah i will Mm -hmm. watch you do anything and please Mm -hmm. wear every possible outfit (laughs) or don't or don't wear any outfit either way it's honestly (laughs) watching any of the desire scenes from the out outside of the the shots of the the temple to inside to watching them perform i'm like breathless i find myself out of like like I noticed my breathing during those sequences because yeah. it's so live like lush and vibrant yeah. and and mm-hmm. sexual, just oozing with sex. Yeah. Like and you just feel it. See, Justin. We love you, Mason. <laughs> I'm, I'm only making that face because I can see your arm moving as you're talking. It's that's true. I was reason. noticing like, that. I know you're just doing this, I'm but you gotta face. keep your hands. That was a rough hey. juxtaposition. Hey. Everybody, keep that up. hand hey. visible. Hey. Hands up. Yeah. Come on now, put them up. Get them up. That... <laughs> Keep them there. The fact that Keep them there. <laughs> a little jazz hands, you know. <laughs> um, I have a hot take. This is our special way of saying we love you, Mason. <laughs> yes, 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 all of it. This is our special way of saying please call us. Mason loves Lisa, and was very emphatic about Lisa's art of desire on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! By the way, I didn't even Mason was. I didn't even see that. That's awesome. I didn't see that. Okay. She made my hot cream, so. Love it. Thanks. <laughs> Love it. I do have a hot take. Um, the dude that they got to play Ken of the Ken and Barbie duo <laughs> was with very little time on screen, giving me strong the deep from the boys. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Like such douchebagginess, which is I'm like, how did they not give deep? The little man bun, <laughs> right? You'll have one. So for small. That uh, <laughs> I have to say, I'm so glad they didn't just treat Barbie like a blonde ditz or something. Yeah. I was when I saw her oh, yeah. when she spoke, and she was a you know she didn't feel like a caricature. Which, she, if I remember, remember my first reaction during the comics, it kind of felt a little bit like oh. that when I first saw her. Um, but in this, they avoided that entirely, and just choices mm-hmm. like that, I'm so happy with. See, that that didn't bother me in the comic and it wouldn't have bothered me here only because she will later be revealed to be far more than that. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and sometimes people are fooled into thinking something based on the surface. Yeah. I, I liked that point being made by the comic. But, it, it was but I hear just you. En- I hear you. Yeah, yeah, it was just enough without agree with both of you. Yeah. <laughs> like flaccid misogyny. Um, also, Abel. Abel, yeah, flaccid oh. misogyny. Got it. That's how I'm always going to describe oh. misogyny. Yeah, that's a good, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, yeah, Abel. It's an oxymoron I'll allow. Um, yeah, Abel and and just giving in just anytime Abel's on the screen. I'm it yay. Happiness. <laughs> so good. Well, I guess that our takes, I guess we should move on before our takes cool off. I guess that's really what So, um, tell me, that episode was, and let's start with, let's start with Lisa K. Weber. That episode was. (laughs) You had the least Uh, panic on your face. I'm sorry. That episode was... um eye devouring nice <laughs> philip kelly that episode was vibrant vibrant okay dig it kelly sumilano that episode was transcendent transcendent i like the way you said that mm. <laughs> a to me. uh claire that episode was interconnected interconnected 
And I'm going to say that episode was new. It felt new. It -hmm. took something old and made it new. So before we sign off and leave you to the rest of your day, we just want to say that if you like the Sandman, if you liked this episode, there's some other shit you might like. (laughs) And Lisa would like to share that other shit with you. So share that shit. Lisa, take it away. Share it. Um, So as was shared a little earlier, Kelly Sue and I both separately screamed when we saw John Cameron Mitchell show up as Hal. I hope and... you're going to do what I think you're going to do. Oh, you know I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> so I am most definitely recommending Hedwig and the Angry Inch yes! for this week. Um, yes. That movie and musical is just incredible. Like, I've been listening to the musical since I was like in my 20s. It's just so fucking good. Like, it's sensational and the fact that john cameron mitchell is here like in this show doing his thing and it's just magical and the fact that it's like his character is like in this house of misfits and outcasts and that's exactly what hedwig is about and that's exactly what all of this is about that's exactly what the sandman is about too it's about like connecting us who feel like we never quite fit in with this story and connecting us to each other through the story and hedwig does the same exact thing it's a total delight so if you have not seen hedwig and the angry inch do it run don't walk (laughs) Yeah. to your nearest streaming surface and watch the shit out of it. <laughs> and while you're running and not walking, you should run to our next episode. And with that, I bid you sweet dreams. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.